Welcome back, everybody. It's Brandon Avera on the Life of an Average Show podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed the last episode. If you haven't listened to the last episode, you should. They're not connected. This one is not connected. But there is a theme going on in the last uh, couple episodes. This one, the previous, and the next all have this theme, and I'm sure you can kind of figure it out. Hopefully. Some of you may have already figured it out anyways. But I had fun. I thought the last episode came out great. It was, it was really fun to talk about my time at that red carpet event, having dinner with the Sopranos. No, not, not, you know, some opera singers. I'm talking about the cast of the Sopranos. So check that out. And then the one before that, I got to interview and, and talk to my good buddy, uh, country local, uh, local country artist, Prag Padilla. So you can check that out as well. If you've missed any of them, don't forget. I'm available on all platforms. I just got added to a platform recently that I never heard of in my life. And I can't remember it for the life of me. So sorry to maybe the one person out there that's on that platform that I never heard of. I did, however, though, uh, get added, re-added. It was so weird. I was on Stitcher. And then all of a sudden I got an email saying, hey, you're on Stitcher. And I'm like, I've been on Stitcher for like two years now. But uh, it's all my Stitcher people. I see there's a bunch of people listening now on Stitcher. So so kudos. I think my buddy uh, Paul out in Oregon listens on Stitcher, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Wait a minute, is he in Oregon or Utah now? I can't remember where you are, Paul. But uh, anyway, um, again, anytime you're looking for an old episode, that's what's great about podcasting is you don't have to always just catch the new episodes. You know, I found a podcast um, not too long ago. I think it was called Whiskey Noobs. Yeah, Whiskey Noobs. And it was, it was about exactly what it says. But I found it. And they were already on episode whatever. And I got to go back and I was like, you know what? I'm going to start listening from the beginning. And what I think is cool about that is you can see their growth. I mean, I've listened to some of my earlier episodes and I'm like, that was rough. Um, and then all the way into kind of the, their attitude at the time, what they were focused on and their development. I think you really see that. And I got to do that. And that's what's great about podcasting is like for this, you know, for example, if you're just tuning in randomly and you've heard the last couple episodes, you can go back to the beginning, check out some stuff. There's some good ones there. Some, some ones I thought to myself that maybe I should have waited on doing, but I did them at the right time. And I, and I think it made sense um, that you can go back and listen to. And that's what's so cool about podcasts, because when you, it's not like a TV show. Uh, yeah, nowadays it's a lot easier to go back and watch the beginning TV shows, but you gotta, you know, you can kind of pick and choose. Like, yes, if it's a series, like I've done a series of podcasts, I did three that were connected together, you might want to listen to them in that order, you know? But you don't have to. That's what's so cool about it. So, anyway, if you want to check those out, go to Life of an Average Show Podcast.com. Everything's on there from. Uh, merchandise to uh, the blog that I have that's kind of connected to the podcast, uh, my sponsors, Trash Talk, all the shows, my guests that I've had on. It's it's a cool website. I mean, I, I know that sounds kind of cocky, but it is. But this episode, I wanted to go back to a time when in my life where I was working at the nightclub, the nightclub, you know, Blue Nightclub in Detroit. I was also connected to several others, but that was the main one. And... Um, I was working there and I was in the midst, there was a lot going on in my personal life and there was a lot going on with Michigan and the city of Detroit. This was the start of what was going on in the automobile industry when the automobile industry was literally crashing Um, and you know the government had to bail them out and all that stuff. So there were jobs that were no longer there. There were people getting let go. There were people getting laid off. There were people that were asked to be, you know, to retire early. And it affected so many different businesses. It wasn't a matter of like, oh, I don't work for the automobile industry. It's not going to affect me. When you're in the state of Michigan and, and you're around the Motor City, and especially your nightclub is in the Motor City, it directly affects you. If, if people don't have money, they're not going to the club. They're definitely not going to an expensive club like Blue. Now, it wasn't at that height yet, but it was coming. And during that time, we were trying to come up with different ideas. And it was really interesting because the nightclub was doing well, but we kind of sensed what was coming down the pipe. We didn't know how bad it was going to be, but we sensed it. And I was deep into it. You know, I had already been to Miami. Um, 
I was connecting with DJs and local talent from across the country and into Canada. Like, true story. You know, from New York. I knew DJs from New York. I knew DJs in Germany, Detroit, Chicago, LA, uh, you know, Canada, like, just everywhere. And so I had this, like, slew of contacts, whether it was from DJs to bands to marketing to dancers. Just, it, it was ridiculous. There was actually a, a site at the time, and it was called the Detroit Club Scene. And this was, you know, Facebook was maybe in its infancy. You basically had to go to college, and it was four people at college, um, to sign in and connect with other alums and, and such like that. If you didn't go to college, you really couldn't get in Facebook because you needed your ID and stuff like that. That was what the beginning was. Um, MySpace was still very much popular. Tom was much better than Zuckerberg. He still is better than Zuckerberg. Matter of fact, anybody's better than Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg sucks. He's horrible. Um, <laughs> but uh, MySpace was very much into music, and I talked about this, and I talked about the connections and what, you know, how much came from MySpace as far as my connections go, how the people I met across the country and, and all that. And we utilized MySpace as a form of promotion, as a form of communication, and, and another way to check out music. It wasn't like you could just jump on YouTube. YouTube wasn't even there. It wasn't like you could just, you could go on someone's website. I could go on a, a DJ's website and check out their music. I could go check out a show. But if, if I'm trying to look at a DJ from Germany, I'm either going to rip their music offline or I'm going to find their MySpace, MySpace page. Unless I have the privilege of catching them in Miami or one of those bigger electronic music festivals, I'm not going to know that DJ. So MySpace was the key. And we utilized that a lot. We used those rooms. Well, the Detroit music scene, or Detroit club scene, I should say. Or was it Detroit club scene or Detroit music scene? DMS or D... I don't know. We'll just say Detroit club scene. Um, because I really don't remember, and and quite frankly, some of that, some of those websites, or some of that time when I was on that networking group, has some rough memories. But it was picture picture a website that was dedicated solely for DJs and clubs and all that in Detroit, and people to chat and parties and after parties. So you would create this profile, and you could link it to your MySpace. But you would create this profile on there and, you know, your favorite DJs and all that. You could follow them on there. But you talked back and forth and met all kinds of clubbers and from across the state of Michigan. So there would be events out in Lansing, events in East Lansing, events in Pontiac, Detroit, whatever. Where are the DJs coming? VIP tickets, uh, backstage, or not backstage, but, um, you know, line jump tickets, all kinds of things. We had a presence on there because we were working for the premier nightclub in Detroit. It's not to say there weren't others. It's not to say there weren't some raves that, that were pretty cool too. But this was a guaranteed nightclub. You knew that Blue was going to do something hot every week. They were going to get the best talent. We were going to get the best dancers. We were going to have the best vibe every week. Premier nightclub in Detroit. Period. I mean, it was electronic and hip-hop. That was it. I mean, and, and hip-hop was a specific night only. Not to say they didn't mix it in sometimes when you're doing electronic. I mean, you got DJs mashing things up, mixing all over the place. But it was the premier nightclub. And we would go on there to promote. God, there's that stupid squeaking on my chair. I'm done with that chair. We would go on to promote. And we would also go on to just kind of see what everybody was talking about. But I also created a profile for myself. Because I had huge connections in there. And met a lot of cool people, met a lot of jerks, actually. Met a lot of shady people in there. Um, but it was something you had to do when you were in the scene. When you were working in the scene, you had to be on there. During that time, I was DJing. You know, I wasn't DJing a lot, but I would DJ some parties. I would DJ. I never really DJed at Blue. I did once, but I, it was early, early on, maybe twice. Um... I DJed at some events. There were some. Uh, there's a club in Ann Arbor I, I DJed at. There's a club in Dearborn I did a white party at, which almost sounds racist. But if you guys are part, if you guys understand what a white party is, then, then you know. Um, I did all kinds of stuff. 
like that. But my DJ, you know, DJing was not my thing, and I've, I've talked about this before. I loved the music. I loved DJing. I loved the art of it. I loved the beats. I loved matching and, and waiting for that drop. I love all that. But that was not my thing. I wanted to put together the event. And I've always been that way, even working at the bars from, you know, the small bars I worked at to the large-scale bars to other nightclubs. I wanted to put together the event and sit back and, and be that that orchestra leader, you know, that conductor, the ringleader. I wanted to go, this is what I created, and just sit back and look at it. Watch all the pieces move together from the music to the dancing to the guests to, to the drinks, just watching it, just waiting for those moments in the night to pop off. And I wanted to say, hey, I did that. Yes, you know, obviously I had some help. You can't put together an event for, you know, 3,000, 4,000 people by yourself and succeed. Um, but that was me. So DJing was more of like a guest thing or fun thing. But I was mixing stuff and I was coming up with original beats and I was doing different things, different mixes that I would do like a 30 hour, you know, 30 hour 30 minute mix, you know, jam session of, of different songs, you know, and, and matching and scratching and stuff like that. And I liked it, but it wasn't my thing. But I started to find other people that, were, that I was friends with. For example, in Chicago, when I'd go visit Paulie, which I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about him in, you know, some of my podcasts, um, I would meet other people. Now, Paulie obviously wasn't a club guy. I mean, he was older than me, but he... He knew a lot of people. And I met some people through Paulie who knew somebody at a club. You know, for example, they knew a club in Chicago called Teo, that there was a local DJ named Giovanni. Okay? And uh, he was he was supposed to be really good. So I'd go check out Giovanni. But I didn't really bond with Giovanni. But he knew a girl that was really good. And he's like, hey, I think you need to make, or I think you need to meet, you know, this DJ over here. And I'm like, all right. He's like, she's cool. It wasn't that I didn't like him. It just, he wasn't my thing. Like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to put it. it he was good. Um, but he was very old school. So for me, I could only do so much of it and then became repetitive. And I just, it wasn't my thing, but he introduced me to this girl. And he's like, I think you go check her out. So I'd go to another club in Chicago, and I, I don't know, I think it was like M Lounge, or maybe, I don't know, M Lounge? I think it was M Lounge. It's a pretty cool, I think it's still around in Chicago, actually, if I'm not mistaken. And they had some really, really awesome cocktails there. I mean, amazing cocktails. It wasn't cheap, because Chicago wasn't cheap. Now, if I'm saying it wasn't cheap back then, imagine what it's like now. But the music was off the chart, and they were doing different stuff. Even though it was only four hours away from Detroit, they were doing different music there, and it was a different vibe than what we did in Detroit. So I'd go there, and Paulie would go with me sometimes, um, or I'd just go with some other people, whatever, if I, whoever I was dating. Uh, Miss Detroit, we'll just say, um, when I was dating her who became a, a, a massive part of my life, massive part of this time in my life too, um, we'd go check her out, you know, or check out DJs and, and all that. So Giovanni went with us. He actually ended up being a real cool guy, just wasn't uh, my thing on music. And he actually ended up working with us a couple times. But if anything, he just became a, a guy that hung around with us and a friend to a degree and a connection, like a Chicago connection. Um, so we went to this club to go check out this girl. And I remember she gets on stage, right? And she's got dark hair. she got some bomb tattoos, you know. And I'm like, all right, she's pretty. This is, this is always a good start. You know, she doesn't look like a troll. Uh, it doesn't matter. I've seen some pretty ugly girl DJs and ugly dude DJs out there that rock. So, I mean, looks aren't everything. But it does help, you know, if they don't look like a troll and they can actually, you know, drop some beats out there. So I'm watching her and I'm like, dude, she's bad. Like, she was sick. She was mixing some old school Italian music with new house beats, like just stuff that you could never imagine. And I was like, yeah, yep, I'm in. 
So he did the introductions afterwards and introduced us. And her name was, um, oh my God, did I just forget? <laughs> her name was Isabel. So I was like, oh my God, this is going to suck. And then Isabel had a friend that was a DJ who was also a girl. And her name was Giovanna. Not Giovanni, Giovanna. Okay, there you go. And so we went to go see her one night. And then we all started talking. And then I invited them into the Detroit uh, club scene group. And then we were friends on MySpace. And you see things, as much as they've changed as far as social media goes, the networking of social media in its early stages was va- is the same. I mean, that's how we did it. But I started to get this idea of what if I put on events with other DJs that I met that didn't have a reputation in Detroit, that didn't have a lot of connections to Detroit, but I brought them in under my flag, you know, my name, and put together these events. We would rep, like I would rep these DJs and bring them in. And, and, and this is how my mind works. And I started talking to Miss Detroit about it. Of course, she's down and super supportive. And I started talking to some of my other people that are connected. And that also, I guess I should probably not use that term connected. Somebody's going to take that the wrong way. That know a lot of people. And I started to kind of think, well, wait a minute. I'm going to approach my boss, the owner of the nightclub, and tell him kind of what my thoughts are. Because number one, he might not like the idea that I'm trying to put together like a stable of DJs and I'm going to go around and put these events when I'm supposed to be representing Blue. But on the other hand, he might love this idea because I could bring this talent to his nightclub and we could actually pull some more people from Chicago. Because it's not to say we never got people from Chicago or anything like that, but we could actually pull and have a Chicago connection. This could be cool. So I, I, I sit down with him one day and he was always open for ideas. He was not one of these owners that you know, say they're open for ideas and want feedback, but never do anything about it. You know, they want you to to come up with great ideas and they want to talk about them, but they never want to do anything about it. And he definitely wasn't one of those owners who said, hey, you know what, come up with an idea. And then he didn't do it, except for months later when he thought it was his idea and did it. He was legit. He would tell me flat out, hey, Brandon, we're we're not going to do that. It's not going to work. Whether I agreed with him or not, he would at least tell me flat out to my face, not beat around the bush. And I like that. If if anybody knows me, that's who I am. Just tell me straight up. Like, let's not play this passive-aggressive game. Let's not sit there and be quiet. Let's not sit there and, and, and wallow in our own feelings. Just come out and tell me what's up. And I'm cool with that, good or bad. I mean, I might not have a great reaction at the time, but ultimately I prefer that. And that's how it was. So I sit down with them and I'm like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. I want to bring some DJs from Chicago to the club. Cool. I'm in, Brandon, do it. I trust you. Okay. On top of that, though, I want to put them on my label. He's like, well, you're going to start a record label? And I'm like, no, definitely not. You know, I'm not not that guy. I'm not Dre and uh, I don't want to be Dre. But I want them to be, I want to be the representation. He's like, okay, their contact. I'm like, no, I want to take them to other clubs too. That was the part I thought he might not like. You know, here I am talking about bringing DJs to this club, but bringing them to other clubs. Which he had to know was going to inevitably happen if they were good. Other clubs would see what we were doing and try to get them too. That's how it works. Sometimes we would sign exclusive rights to certain DJs for a lengthy period of time. Not to say they couldn't go perform in other states or cities, but in Detroit, we'd say, hey, look, we got you for five shows coming up. During that time, you can't perform at any other club for those, you know, five shows. You're ours. After that, you can do what you want. And we did that with several. Not many, but several. Um, Because we had to make it special. Because what if we had them on a Friday... And what if the other DJ is like, well, I'm coming in town on Thursday. I'll try to get a gig on Thursday. And another club swoops them in. Well, that totally takes the steam and the excitement and the anticipation from our event if another club does that. So we had to sign them to those 
those contracts. Um, actually, Billy Bob's in in Texas. Sorry, guys, I'm messing with the mic. Billy Bob's in Texas is a it's a pretty big honky tonk. It's core. It's more corporate than anything, and they they've gone almost rock too. I mean, Kid Rock was there recently. Um, God, what was that other band? There was another band. I almost said Oasis, <laughs> not Oasis, but they're a big honky tonk. But they would actually have it to where. If somebody played there, like a decent, like, I don't know, let's say, we'll just use Cody Jinx, for example. If Cody Jinx played at Billy Bob's, then he couldn't play anywhere else in a 30 or 40 or however many mile radius within 30 days or 40 days of the show. So he couldn't really even create like a, a Dallas tour if he played at Billy Bob's. Because you're talking about a thirty mile, you know, thirty mile area, that eliminates a lot of concerts. And they still do that, but there's a couple other bars around here, a couple big, mostly honky tonks and stuff like that. Not places like American Airlines Center, but the country music scene can get volatile. But I digress. Um, so we would do that sometimes, but I said no. What I want to do is create this entity, this company, almost. Where I could bring in these DJs, these are the guys I got, we're going to put on events. And he's like, well, like a promotions company. I said, yeah. He's like, I'm in. And I said, what are your thoughts on, though, if I bring him here, we do it under my banner so I can get advertising. Meaning, it'll say, you know, on the flyers, when we, when we send the street team out to bombard cars and bombard everything, bars and all that. We got these flyers. It's going to say whatever the name of the event is and my company. And he's like, I don't have a problem with that. And he said, we're going to pay these DJs. I said, yeah. And he said, you're going to make money off it, aren't you? I said, absolutely. He said, so you're going to, you're my manager. So you're going to be at the event. This is your production company or your promotions company. I'm going to pay these DJs and they're going to give you a cut, right? I said, absolutely. He's like, well, that's just smart. Keep it in the house. I'm down. He was so open to it because he understood, number one, he's, he knows how I am. He knows how I work. He knows how I work events. And I'm telling you, when it comes, I'm a lot of things. And I haven't always been a good employee with many jobs. But when it comes to event time and it comes to something like that, like a release or a... You know, busy night. I am a, I'm a machine. I think anybody that has worked with me, anybody that knows as far as planning goes, I'll forget anything, usually. And I've got my core people. I've always had core people to be there. Miss Detroit was one of those. I had another girl, we'll call her B. She was one of those. Um... Holly was one of those, you know, I've got some people that, you know, at Sojo, you know, Cody, who's been on here, um, he was my go, he was one of my go-tos, um, even Tika, who I talk about, who I didn't even really like at Sojo, <laughs> um, she, you know, I knew she could handle the server, so I didn't have to deal with it, she got on my nerves sometimes, but I knew that, uh, she would handle it. So I always had those people. But if anybody that has worked with me, when it comes down to an event, New Year's Eve, St. Patrick's Day, big concert, um, electronic music, beer fest, I am there. I, I promote. I don't stop. And that's it. And that's that's what I do. So he's seen me work there. He knows what I can do. And he was down. Plus, here we are bringing in DJs from other parts of you know the country at the time it was just Chicago, that he didn't know. So Isabel and Giovanna were down. They were into it. Then I had a, a DJ that, that was familiar, and he was big in Detroit, as far as name goes, meaning like a lot of people knew him. But he was kind of one of these DJs that, he would come in and do these events, and these parties and all that. But um, he never like... He never signed on for major stuff. He always liked the smaller stuff, like the smaller parties. He would be like the second opener. He didn't headline. And he would do like a Thursday night instead of a Friday night. That was just his vibe, but he was really good. 
So I approached him and he went by the name of Mike Check. And I approached him and I said, hey, look, here's what I'm doing. What's your thoughts on signing with me? Not exclusively, but being under my flag. And he was down. So here off the bat, I had three DJs plus myself that was not only the owner of this company, but, the, uh, but could also DJ. What else do we need? We need a name. I went to an event um, down on Rosa Parks Boulevard in Detroit, and it was in Cor- uh, Corktown. And it used to be by Old Tiger Stadium, which is no longer there. And there's some cool bars there. And this was a place, man, this was a small dive. I don't think it's there anymore. It was called The Works. And I don't think it's there anymore. But it was, I mean, you walk in, it was like this old like corner store warehouse type vibe. I got your bar. They got an out to an outside area. They got three rooms inside. The outside was the best because it felt like you would walk out behind your house. And it had like if you lived in the city, this was your backyard because you could see houses. They might have been abandoned, but you could see them. And you there was DJs. There was always DJs, some of the best DJs. Well, I happened to go there on a night with Miss Detroit and a couple other people. I think. If I'm not mistaken, the Chicago crew was in town. And matter of fact, I know it was. It was the first time we all got to go together and go out in Detroit. And they wanted to check out the scene. So I was taking them to go see some local DJs. And it was Giovanni, Giovanna, Isabella, or Isabel, and Paulie, me, Miss Detroit. I think B was there. And a couple other people at the nightclub that I worked for. And we went to this event. Well, I saw this name on the flyer and it rung a bell with me. I'm like, who is this? And it ended up being my cousin. It's his company or his DJs that he was doing for a while there. And we started to kick it. And I, and I said, hey, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so, you know, this is what we're doing. And we start planning a co-op event at the works. Now I had told my boss that we were gonna do an event at Blue first to bring these DJs in. I still don't have a name, mind you. But now I'm planning this event with my cousin at the works. So I'm already booking two events with no name. We end up leaving, we end up going to, there's a diner God, where's that? It's down there. It's on Woodward. It's more towards Royal Oak. This might not mean anything to you guys that have never been to Michigan, never been to Detroit, and know nothing about it. But for those of you that are listening back home, for those of you that are listening in Chicago, for those of you that are involved in this story, you know what I'm talking about. Woodward was like the one of the main drags in Detroit, okay, main streets in Detroit. And if you went north on Woodward, like north, am I saying that right? Anyway, it would take you to Royal Oak, a a suburb outside of the city. It's where the Detroit Zoo is, you know. The Detroit Zoo, that's not in Detroit. And we go to this diner, it's open 24 hours. And I'm going to tell you right there, we probably spent three hours between the coffee and the eating and the talking. I know the sun was up. And it was already late when we left the works because we didn't get the works until like midnight anyway or 11 o'clock. And we talked and we're planning these events. We're coming up with names. We're, we're trying, I mean, we're everything from the Detroit-Chicago connection, the 312 to the 313, because the area code for Detroit is 313. The area code for Chicago was 312. So, well, at least parts of it anyway. So we were coming up with some of the worst god-awful names, but we were brainstorming and we were also trying to figure out we can kick off this blue event in a month. But can we do a works event for that or am I going to get like negative feedback from my boss because that's the last thing I want to do because the club is going to pay me a lot more than doing this event at works. So I got to figure out what to do. So I go home, Miss Detroit's come, you know, she's, we're dating at the time so she's coming back home with me. 
I'm not saying her name for a reason, but I'm sure she's, she does listen. I found that out. Um, so, anywho, um, <laughs> we're, you hear those birds? It's so beautiful. It's just beautiful out. Like, guys, I got to stop for a second. I got the window open by where I'm doing this podcast. I should probably close it because the birds are just crazy, right? But it is 80 degrees and it was just cold a couple weeks ago. Anyway, welcome to Texas. So we're driving home and all I'm talking about is this event. And I was thinking about my cousin and my cousin didn't put his last name. We have two different last names. He, he didn't put his last name on it. And I didn't want to do that either. But I wanted it to represent me. And I wanted it to represent, because I mean, so far I've got two Italian DJs there. I just wanted it to sound different. I remember thinking to myself, how can I do this? How can I make it different? It is very hard. For some of you out there that have had to come up with titles for stuff, I struggle with that. Yeah, I struggle with coming up with titles for things. Um, not so much like when I write articles or, or anything like that. Or books. Or like even when I wrote like essays and stuff. But when I, when I have to come up with like a title for a segment or... It's, I struggle with it, man. I wish I could have somebody just do it for me. I'll come up with the ideas. Just give me a title. I don't want to deal with it. But anyway. I go to bed. I don't get much sleep. I wake up the next morning. Mr. Troy's sleeping. I'm making my coffee. I'm sitting on the patio. Hanging out. And it hits me. Pacheco. Which can be said different ways. It can. It depends on who you ask. But it's P-A-C-E-C-O. Of course, if you actually say it in Sicilian, it's got an A at the end. But anyway... Why, you ask? That is the town in Sicily where my papa came from. And I wanted to give him some love. So that's what we named it. My buddy Ken started coming up with the kind of early graphics, which I think I posted on here. You see it. It's like a black and white Italian boot. (laughs) Italian boot. Italy. And then it says it on the bottom. And then there's other logos that flow out there. There's like a like almost like a, a, I don't want to say a G.I. Joe logo, almost like a, a crest, but it's got the Italian flag and it's got it and we do all this stuff and I'm like, that's it. So I start printing up cards. I start coming up with flyer designs and that's the name of it. And then I got to start coming up with like contracts, money. In the next 48 hours, and mind you, it's a lot harder to write up stuff and, and email it back then than it is now. And print, mind you, a lot harder. Nowadays, you don't even need a printer. You just need your phone. And as long as you can connect to a printer somewhere, you can print. Back then, you couldn't do that. I had to go to Kinko's and stuff and get this professionally printed up. And I came up with contracts for my DJs. And they were still in town, so we met up for lunch. Mike Check signed a contract. Giovanni signed, Giovanna signed a contract. And Isabel signed a contract. I did pay Giovanni when he would do stuff for us. We paid him cash. Or the couple times that he DJed as the opener, I paid him cash. And then I thought to myself, we got three DJs. It's time to roll. So I go that night to talk to my boss, and we set up the event. I then call my cousin up. Hey, man, let's do this event this day the week after they're going to play at they're going to play at blue it's they're, they're going to come hot off blue and they're going to draw a ton of people to to the works we've got 30 days to come up essentially 37 days to come up with two events and that's how my promotion company was born and we did we crushed it I opened up, uh, Giovanni opened up at Blue. I did not play that night at Blue. Um, Then we had Giovanna and then Isabel. And it was 
packed. I remember we did a $20 cover charge, which was kind of light. We sold out VIP. Pauly was there. Half the bar was there from Pauly's bar in Chicago. Um, I had family there. My, my cousin was there with his people. Friends. Uh, Miss Detroit always had people with her. We packed that place. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't remember the exact figures, but I know my percentage. Let's just say that the, what they paid me was substantial. I mean, especially for the time being, and especially for our first event, it was great. We thought we hit it. We thought we were we, we were on our way to be death row records. Well, minus you know the murders and and all that, and you know that sort of thing. Maybe 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 shady forty five. We were on our way to be. We were not. It's, death row records was a bad example. Okay, maybe the new Snoop version where nobody's on it, but you know, we made it. They all went to back Chicago a couple days later. And then they had to come back because we had to plan the works event. So I literally had like, they had probably about two or three days of downtime before they had to come back and we start planning the works event. Now, the thing is about the works event, it was pretty low key because it can only hold so many people. I think it can hold like 300 people, Ah, maybe 200. I don't even know. That might be a stretch because the way it's laid out and all that. And I remember at one point, the night of the works event, they had to stop letting people in. But I DJed that night. And it was the first time that I had put my album, and I'm doing the air quotations out there, because I came up with a mix called The House That I Built. And I actually have a cover uh, that Ken did, and then we got it tweaked out. I'll post that cover on Instagram. Um, Miss Detroit's on that cover, by the way. So that, that girl you see is, is the girl I was dating at the time. But, um, yeah. So anyway, um, I, I came up with the house that I built. And I remember putting that together on CD. And I think I burned like, I think I did like 500, maybe, maybe 400 copies. I probably sold... 100, 50, 60, I don't know. Maybe even more than that. I gave a ton away because to me it wasn't about the money. It was about getting the music out there and it was about getting the promotion company out there. It was about, it was a marketing. Forget a business card, here's my mix. My check was there. He released a new album. I think it was called like One Two, One Two. Man, I don't even remember. And then... It was on. My cousin was there. We had a total of one, two, three, four, nine different DJs perform that night. We didn't leave that place till 6 a.m. It was insane. And we made good money. So now we've got this promotion company. We've got our name out there. But what happens next? Do we stop? Do we go back to blue? Because it's going to get old. Now we take it to Chicago. Between everybody that they knew in Chicago and between me knowing Chicago, we decide to put on an event in Chicago. And that's what we did. We went out to Spy Bar in Chicago. Spy Bar's off of um, God, was it Franklin Street. It's a pretty, pretty awesome nightclub. I'm not going to... It's a pretty bomb nightclub. And Giovanni, that's, that's what he was... That's how good he was. He was good at getting us in Spy Bar. Spy Bar was crazy. I think now, though, man, they they do all kinds of stuff. They, I mean, they they bring in people from Japan. They bring in DJs from uh, Vegas and, and everything. They also don't just bring in DJs. They bring in other bands, like actual bands. But at the time, Chicago, I mean, Spy Bar was a major, major electronic music place, and we put out an event there. And Spy Bar held about 500 people, 600 people. And it was, I mean, you were dropping $500, $400 maybe on a bottle of Belvedere. Maybe 500 maybe 500 on Grey Goose, somewhere, 4-4. Four, four. A couple hundred bucks for Absolute. You know, $12 martinis, $15 martinis. Packed and I and I performed there. I got to perform that night, and it was the first time 
that I had ever performed in a club outside of Detroit, minus a little bit I did Miami, but yeah, it was unreal. Well, then my cousin had an event in Chicago, so we go over there, check out his event the, the, you know, the next day. Now, I will say this. I did a couple events with my cousin, and then we, we didn't have a falling out. I just didn't like the direction it was going, and so we stopped. Um, nothing bad to say. I got nothing at all. It just, it just stopped. It, I did, the direction seemed weird to me. Things seemed off. I didn't like the vibe, and I was like, eh, I got to go. Um, and, you know, that's, I guess that gets that way with working with family. So it is what it is. I'm not angry about it. It just is what it is. But um, we did another event in Chicago the following week. So we spent enough time out of Chicago, but this time I thought to myself, what if I get a band? Can I get a band mixed with this DJs? And let's, let's broaden our horizons. Let's spread this playbook out and get some live music. So I reached out to my buddy. She was dating this guy in a band that I had seen a couple times before. <laughs> and they were called the Mud Flaps, which is just funny on all kinds of levels. But they kind of reminded me of like a harder version of Green Day. And they weren't signed with anybody. They were just doing these gigs. We ended up signing the Mud Flaps. And now we got into other clubs. We got into other live music venues. I was still working the nightclub, but we were doing these events. And the Mud Flaps had connections in Canada. So now we were going international. We went to Detroit, we went to Chicago, and now we were doing events in Windsor with the Mud Flaps. And while we were doing that, I thought, because this is, you know, this is Brandon's idea. I don't want to be Dr. Dre, but here I am turning into Dr. Dre on a generic level. Isabel wanted to put out her album. She's like, dude, I got a double disc idea. I want to do a double mix. I want to do one side more like, like jazz hip hop, not jazz hip hop, jazz, uh, you know, maybe some downbeat. And I want to do the other side, some serious drum and bass. So I probably spent two months working with her on this thing. And she's a much better DJ than I could ever be. I'm going to tell you that right now. But coming out with the ideas and the concept and the flows and listening to the way the album worked. I mean, me, all of us at the promotion company, we were just like one big family. Even Paulie, who knew nothing about that music, was like, yeah, that sounds way better than the other one. Like, that was his, in, you know, that was his input. But what was great about Paulie was he knew so many people. So we needed something printed, and we didn't want to pay money for it, or at least that much. You just call somebody. We get it printed for, you know, half the cost. But then... I could go ahead and send that to the, you know, to the clubs and be like, hey, we'll print these for you so you don't have to do it, but you're going to have to pay X. And they're like, oh, my God, that's way cheaper. Even though a lot of the clubs had their own people, too, they'd be like, oh, that's way cheaper. And then I'd be like, hey, we got our own street team, so you don't even need the street kids out there, the club kids going out to, you know, flap on the streets with these, with these uh, flyers. We got them but it's gonna cost you this. So here we are paying half, and we just get everybody and their brother to go hand these flyers out, and we're getting the money for it. I mean, I'm not a millionaire. It's not, I mean, obviously, if anybody knows me, they know my, my, <laughs> my, my, my financial history. Well, probably not, but they, you know, I'm not a millionaire, but I was doing good. I was doing good. Forget just working at the club. This company was making money, and it came out of an idea. So we did some events in Chicago. We did some events in Detroit. We did events in um, Windsor. Now it's time to go somewhere else. We had the Electronic Music Festival coming. Movement. Now it's a big Electronic Music Festival in Detroit. It happens every Memorial Day weekend. It's happening this year in Detroit. I haven't gone in eight years, nine years. Um, that was the last time I DJed, by the way. But... We're getting ready for that, but we want to go somewhere else. Where do we go? Start looking at other places. We could go to Wisconsin. It's not much of an electronic music fest there. New York is huge. We, you know, 
I say we, we had some connections out there. What about Philly? Well, Miss Detroit had a huge Philly connection because she was going to live there part-time and she was going to work there. That's a huge story. It's why, one of the reasons why we ended up breaking up a couple times. Anyway, um, so we go to Philly. She starts reaching out to everybody that she knows in Philly. She gets us into a club in Philly, and I'll never remember the name of the club because it was so, like, generic and bizarre to me that I don't, and I don't even think it's, it's around anymore. But she gets us in the club in Philly. I think it was, God, I think it was just called Down. If I'm not mistaken, mistaken it was like Down, Down Club Philly, Down Club Philadelphia. And I was like, Down? That's the stupidest name in the world. But anyway, we get over there. But what was cool about that was, I did perform there too, by the way. But what was cool about that was I had my band, the Mudflaps. They could perform on the back side of the club because that was rock and the other side was dance. And I say back side, there was two entrances. It was like they split the building in half. We got everything. And then she had all her Philly people there. This was packed, and at the time, I came out with my second album, which was called The Late Night Sessions, and it was low-key. The, al- the album cover, I remember, it was done in like black and white. I think I was smoking a cigar, and I had my fedora on, and I was just chilling, and it was, it was more downbeat, chill, kind of some house, kind of some trance, but it was, it was a good vibe, and I just wanted to do a low-key, chill session. It reminded me of like some... Techno music that you could play if you were having a, like out camping up North Michigan. You were sitting by the fire and you could put it on. Like it wouldn't make sense necessarily to play like drum and bass while you're camping. I mean, I guess you could. You can play whatever you want. But this music made sense to me. I could play it and hang out there. And that's why I did that. And we already produced Giovanna's album. Which was, she called it Italian. It was something Italian. I forgot. So she had her music. Well, then we sold all of them there. I think I made like $80. <laughs> I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but I didn't bring a lot of CDs, but I sold them. I sold them. So somebody in somewhere in Philly had my music, you know? It was cool. And it was a great event. And then we went back to Detroit and we did the electronic music scene a couple times. And then we did Blue and then we did Embargo and... Oh my God, we did all, there was a lot of clubs. In this six, five, six month span, we did all these clubs. But things started to go south. Obviously, Paulie passed away. I say obviously. I'm assuming that most of you listen to my podcast where I talk about Paulie passing away. Um, it hurt a lot of us because of how we were connected, how we, you know, how we grew as a family. And he was part of my family, you know. And I, that's what I always told everybody. There's no blood relation, but we all were connected, you know. Family dinners and, and nights in Chicago, and we went to the Cubs games, Detroit Tiger games, and we were family, you know. And then Miss Detroit was the, the the situation in Philly was growing, and her and I were on some rocks. Serious rocks. You could feel it. It's like we weren't mad at each other. We weren't hating on each other. But when we were together, it was different. And then Giovanna, who, shout out, she's got married like a year ago. So that's cool. Um, I don't know how nobody snatched her up. But um, it was probably because she's picky. Just saying it. Just throwing that out there, girl. Um, She started to kind of get... She wanted to take a break. She was losing interest um, in the scene. And, and I get it. Look, the club scene has a window and a shelf life. You either, especially if you're a DJ, but you either turn into a Dead Mouse, Tiesto, Dara, one of those people that go do big festivals, you turn into that festival DJ where you're not doing clubs anymore, or you turn into a producer or you retire. Or it chews you up and spits you out and you've reached your peak. 
and the late nights and the marketing and the hustle and the promotion and then the crap that you see that you really don't want to see, it wears on you. And she was getting tired of it. She wasn't angry. She, was, she just would tell me, Brandon, I'm, I'm just tired. And I don't know if I want to do it anymore. Isabel stopped too after a couple CDs. She did a couple more events with me. But we were, we were all fading and, and my company... Oh, and then the mud flap signed with an actual label. Um, There's all these things that were happening. And then the economy was kind of taking a hit in Detroit. The domino effect. And I just stopped. And I said, I'm done. And shortly after that, I was done with the nightclub. And I just hit. But during that time, we put on some of the biggest parties that a little little promotion company could. I mean, just like I was talking about in Miami, where we're sitting there having a roof party, and all of a sudden, there's all these little tiny little pools everywhere, and you got people that are wearing, you know, $1,000 dresses, $500 shoes, and they're jumping in the pool, and I'll post pictures of that too. Matter of fact, I think I, think I got one of Isabel's friends, Kim, or is it Tiffany? I don't remember. Um, it's probably not Tiffany, because that's a, I, don't, I don't like anybody named Tiffany. Um, she's out of her dress, not naked, like, oh my God, I just jumped in this pool. Like, it's the look on her face. Because we threw these parties. I mean, we were at the peak. Electronic music in Detroit was huge and around, and it was this amazing connection between what we did on MySpace, what we did at the nightclubs. I mean, it just, it's just hundreds and hundreds of people that we had our, at our disposal. It was amazing. But it was coming at a time in our lives where major uh, major things were happening. You know, major things. My check retired completely, but he did start his own business and he does a sound, I don't know if he does it anymore, I haven't talked to him in years. He does that, you hear that cat jumping up, trying to attack me? Um, what, a, what a scary guy that is, monster. Cats can be monsters. Um, he started his own uh, company where he would like, he was like a sound engineer, like my buddy Josh. And he would go and set up the speakers and clubs and all that. So he was still involved, but not on a DJ level. Uh, Isabel, I haven't talked to her in years. Last I talked to her, she was um, working at a hospital. And then Giovanna, uh, I talked to her on Facebook still now. Um, she's not, Although she's not on Facebook anymore. She is on Instagram and my Snapchat. And I think she listens to the show every now and then. Um, Giovanni, I don't know what happened to him. I never saw him really much after Paulie died. He just kind of went his own way. And like I said, the mudflaps, you know, they signed. And, and I don't know if they're still around. I've never looked them up. Um, and as far as Miss Detroit goes, we got back and forth together as friends and, and other things um, a few times. But what happened... She kind of, she kind of just disappeared. She moved to California. Um, she got off Facebook. She's not on social media at all anymore. But I know she listens to this podcast because she emailed me on my website. Um, a lot of things happened, actually. A lot of things. A lot of things that happened that I didn't know about. Maybe I was too wrapped up in the world or wrapped up in my own stuff or too blinded by what I wanted to see to really see what was going on. But a lot of things happened with her and, and I, I don't think that I fully grasp it. And some of it I never would have understood. I never, not that I wouldn't have understood it, but I never would have um, known about it had she not just recently told me. So it's one of those things. You know, it's, I'm not angry. Just one of those things you look back in life and go, wow. But at that time, we did something special. It was a very special moment. The last time that I DJed in Detroit, on the Made in Detroit stage, Mike Chuck was there. And this was about eight years ago, nine years ago. That was a hard moment. I had some family there that came to see it. Mr. Troy was there. And I remember 
it was when, uh, you know that band Fun? They came out with a song, We Are Young. And I mixed a remix of it. And I, I had my little choir singing the lyrics in the background. Yeah, I'm a big gospel choir fan, guys. Look, I'm a good, like, if you got a good choir, I'm into you. But if you got a gospel choir, I just want a gospel choir to follow me down the street and sing me a theme song. I love a gospel choir. You can add a gospel choir, a good gospel choir, okay, into almost anything and it works. It was amazing. I had this choir sing. And I want to tell you right now, man, I had tears on stage DJing in front of that because I knew it in my heart that it was the last time I was going to DJ and the last time that probably any of us were going to be in this environment because I haven't been back to the Electronic Music Festival and I don't think I'll ever go. Not because I hate the music, I'm just not there. And that was the last time I saw Miss Detroit, actually. Um, so it's kind of crazy because... <sighs> It brought back a lot of memories. And it brings a lot of memories now, and I'm happy about it. Like, I'm not... I sound sad. But I think I'm at a point in my life where I don't I don't regret that. Like, the things that happened, you know? And I, I don't regret stopping that. It served its purpose. It was amazing. I've got experiences in that situation. with D, I mean, I DJed at a club in Chicago. Like, just Brandon. You know, just me. The average Joe. I might not seem like a big deal for a lot of people. But it's cool. You know, I got to go. I got to go with a band to Canada to to put on a, a rock concert. I mean, a lot of people do that. I get it, but at the time, this idea happened at a diner, and it worked. I mean, it worked, and we all made money, and it paid bills, and and paid for things that we probably should have invested in. You know, like <laughs> we got money. It was cool. You know. And I met some great people, and we all were a family at that moment. And you know, I think sometimes I just miss my people. You know, they serve a purpose. And there are people that come into our lives for a season and whatever that season may be. But sometimes, like, especially when I think of Paulie, I'm like, man, I just miss my guys. You know? But we've all moved on with our lives. And I think everybody's cool. Nobody left in anger, which I think is the most amazing thing because sometimes in a situation like that, especially with money and DJs, you got egos and people leave angry. And I'm like, man, we put something together. We created a moment. We created something out of nothing. We had fun doing it and we made some money and we got amazing memories. Like, wow. And I got to have this promotion company that was connected to my papa, who I love more than anything in this world. Even it's been years since he's passed. Obviously, you don't stop loving somebody just because they're not there anymore, you know. So that was cool. And one day I'll be able to go back and find that DVD that's sitting there of me DJing and show my son and and talk about these things and listen to this podcast. And he'll he'll be like, "What the heck, Dad? What did you? You did a lot." Now there's some things he better not ask me about. But um, but it was cool, and it was an amazing moment. So. That is another part of the life of an average Joe podcast and the life of an average Joe. That is real stuff, man, from Brandon Navarra. And I don't know, I've been thinking about that lately because some of the music comes on. I'm like, dude, I mixed that. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed uh, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed finding out the little piece of history about me and the promotion company. I hope you guys like it. I hope this was one that I can say, hey, that one came out good. I felt like there was so much more I could have talked about. There's so many experiences and clubs and things that we did that I could have talked to you guys about. But it's time to go because I've got other stuff to do, okay? I've got to record another episode so I can stay ahead of the game. So tune in next week. Tune in uh, every Wednesday, of course, for every new episode. Every new episode. Yeah, it's time for me to go. All the new episodes. You can check them out anywhere, of course. I'm on social media. Uh, you know, all of them. I don't have to listen. I don't, I look, guys, I'm not going to label all the social media stuff I'm on. I'm on social media, okay? Just look me up. And if not, just go to lifeofanaveragejoepodcast.com. Thanks again for listening, guys. Have a great one. Hey, guys, thanks again for listening to that episode. Man, that was really fun, you know? And, 
And I think about that just to do a follow-up. I think about those times and even the, the semi-falling out. I don't even like to call it a falling out with my cousin. We just had different visions, different ideas and we came from. Even though we were related, we came from different backgrounds and in a sense, so to speak. And I, I think it was uh, more of... And I could say this and... You know, who knows if you'll find this out or not, but, and I don't care. Um, I think for him, it was more of a, a, a toy, a shiny new object of something to do. For me, it was serious and business and fun and there was money involved and I wanted to, to see how fast I could grow it. And I think for him, once it became more work, he just wanted to keep going to the well, uh, you know, doing the events at works and do the same thing that he always did. And just, you know, it was different. It was different. He also, there was, a, there, was, there was a little bit of a discrepancy with, you know, how much if we did events together, money should go where. And I was, you know, I didn't like the discrepancy. Again, there's no hard feelings. I'm not angry. I, I just don't care. It was so long ago, for God's sakes. But it was so great to meet those people. And it's funny how the world works. It's funny how you know one person. You meet somebody through that person and several other people have come into your lives and become part of your first promotion company. And, and you do events and you become this, this family of this moment and you're sharing ideas and feelings and, and it's just crazy to think about. And I think that that's such an interesting thing. Um, you know, the way the, way the world works, it's, it's just, it's crazy. So... I hope you enjoyed that. You know, it's it's part of my kind of theme of what's going on. I do talk about uh, a lot more of the nightclub in the book, so make sure you check that out. And, of course, read it and learn and understand it, laugh and criticize and all that fun stuff. But I do want to thank my sponsors real quick. I want to thank Austin, uh, my, my guys from Austin, Oasis Texas Brewing, and, of course, Lucky 13's Aftercare. Yeah, that's right, Lucky 13's tattoo aftercare i have been using their balm and i've got a couple of their products i've quite a few but i have been using their balm for a couple months now on my tattoos one two three four in particular and these things pop now it not only rejuvenates those tattoos that you got years ago and it, and it doesn't just make them look good. It heals that skin underneath. You know, we put lotion on ourselves, but we forget that tattoos penetrate our skin and it can cause damage. It can cause them to dry out more. And even though we're trying to protect the color, we got to protect the skin. If you don't protect your skin, you're not going to protect that tattoo. It's just not going to work. Your tattoos will fade. They will dry. They will flake even. I don't care how good of a tattoo artist you have and what he or she does. If you do not take care of the skin underneath your tattoos, forget it. You've just wasted money. You've wasted money, time, and for some of you, pain. So Lucky, 13, Lucky 13's Tattoo Aftercare is a awesome products. They're balms, they're repair balms, the travel balm, the lotion. They have a new tattoo one, which is different. It's got different... Uh, stuff in it for new tattoos because they require different minerals and all that. It's all natural, not tested on animals, so that's cool. You know, I can't say that, Maybelline. Am I going to get fired for saying Maybelline? Whatever. Sued. Um, but it's all natural. Great stuff. Check them out. You can go to my website, thelifeofanaveragejillpodcast.com, where I have an exclusive link to get 20 to 25% off that product. You can go ahead and click on their links as well uh, to go ahead and check out that product. So if you're tattoo guys out there, tattoo girls out there, and you haven't used anything and you're just putting good old lotion on there, you might want to start because one of the tattoos I have, I've had for at least 10 years now. And that thing looks like I got it last week. There's pictures on my Instagram of it too. I'll take another picture of the new one and put that on the Instagram. Not my new tattoo, but the one that I've been using this stuff on more and you can see the difference before and after i got the before i didn't have the after mostly because i'm lazy but anyway guys i love that they're sponsoring and i love everybody that supports i can't tell you enough if you want to get on the mailing list too, the life of an average joe podcast.com just go ahead and sign up there for your emails um you know I, I don't bombard you with nonsense i do once a week that's it 
talk about the shows, things coming up and all that. Uh, or you can just drop me an email. Hey, Brandon, your show sucked today. You suck. Hey, Brandon, I love you. Hey, Brandon, you're the best. You're the greatest in the world. You know, whatever you feel like, you can go ahead and drop me an email at the life of an average show podcast.com. See you next week, guys. Thanks again.